Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. This morning, we're starting a, a new series. As God has been speaking to my heart very clearly about our church, the need for us to grow up into being passionate, fully devoted followers of Jesus. Now, that's not to say that we aren't doing some things already. Many of you avail yourselves to a daily devotional time. You take part in a Sunday school class and or a weekly Bible study group so that we are finding ways in which to grow in our faith. But the Bible, the Bible itself, God's Word, has the potential to change every aspect of our life because it addresses every aspect of our life. Here's the big idea. This could be the summer of life change. This could be the summer of restored marriages, of kids reconnecting with their parents, of forgiveness, of bitterness being wiped away. But those kinds of things won't happen by chance. You're not just going to fall into a positive life change. It's only going to happen when you sacrifice and when you lead and serve and give and most importantly open your heart to God. That's why we're going to take the next few weeks to highlight the Bible itself because the Bible is foundational to everything about our lives and everything about our church to keep us on the right track. So just so you understand, we're going to do this series on the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation, in nine weeks. Now you're thinking, wait a minute, it took us two and a half years <laughs> to do the Gospel of Luke, and you're going to do Genesis through Revelation in nine weeks. Yes, I forgot to tell you, you need to cancel all your lunch and dinner plans for the next 63 days. <laughs> Obviously, we're just going to highlight what the Bible is all about. And today we begin with just one verse, one verse of the Bible to lead us off, and it's this from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Let me give you a little insight into Psalm 119. If you've ever found Psalm 119, you're going, my goodness, it's page after page after page. 176 verses. It is by far the longest psalm that we have. But there's a reason why it's 176 verses. Because Psalm 119 is what is referred to as an acrostic psalm. What that means is it takes in the Hebrew, what the Old Testament was originally written in, most of it, it goes through the Hebrew alphabet and every eight lines begins in Hebrew with the next letter in the alphabet. So if we did an English translation of this, it would be the first eight verses all begin with the letter A. The next eight verses all begin with the letter B and so on. Well, in Hebrew, different letters, it doesn't translate quite the way in English. It, they're not going to look like they all start with the same letter. The Hebrew alphabet is 22 letters long. You take eight verses per letter, 176. That's where that comes from. So out of the 176 verses in this psalm, here's the one that, that was chosen. Your word 
is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And with this verse in mind, what if we were to approach every reading of Scripture, no matter when you read it, no matter where you are when you read it, what if we approached every reading of Scripture, and certainly that includes Sunday mornings, with this petition, God, what are you showing me today? What words did I hear that need to be taking root in my heart so that I can take my next step with you? By the way, the language of lamp for our feet and light on our path is journey language. It holds the idea of moving forward and it shows us the importance of taking that next step in our journey with God. Because if it's been a long time since you felt God speaking to your heart, then there's something amiss in your relationship with Him. It means that the fire needs to be rekindled. And having said that, I'm putting the session on notice that tomorrow night we will begin a new talking point, a spiritual talking point. This developed out of our vision team meetings, and this talking point has to do with this question. When in the last month have you seen Jesus at work through the church or in someone's life? You see, it's easy for us to notice what needs to be addressed at the church, what needs to be fixed, what ministry needs to get started or strengthened, where the finances need to be moved from this to make this happen, those are somewhat easier to notice. But what about noticing how Jesus showed up? How He challenged someone, changed someone. Maybe that's you or somebody else that you've, you've seen. How He has comforted someone, healed someone. How He showed up in the midst of a difficult situation and got someone through it. Or how His promise to never leave nor forsake made a difference. So as we get ready to delve into this series on the Bible, we're going to start in St. Louis. You might think, oh, I thought we'd start in Genesis. Well, that's going to come. No, we're going to start in the city of St. Louis because there's an arch there. I've never seen it personally, but it symbolizes the gateway to the West, an open doorway, if you will. So, and I'm sorry those other graduates left, so Ben, this is for you. You thought you were done. Here's some American history. In 1803, America was pretty young. Thomas Jefferson was president. And he had arranged with France the purchase of a chunk of land referred to as the Louisiana Purchase for $15 million. And you thought that Capital One commercial was just overacting. <laughs> Gentlemen, I have just received word that the Louisiana Purchase is complete. And if you ever saw it, it said 14, 999, $15 million. That's actually what took place. So in 1803, America purchased territory, a large section of land from the Mississippi River west that covered several states. New territory, 
nobody knew what was on it. Thomas Jefferson, in his journey, said that he expected to find mastodons and erupting volcanoes. They knew about mastodons because they had found bones in Kentucky. In any case, he needed a team of explorers. That team was headed by Meriwether Lewis, was joined by William Clark and others. They were tasked with finding a pathway to the Pacific Ocean, claiming this new land as the frontier of this emerging America. These folks were not afraid to try and were willing to get ready as best they knew how without knowing exactly what to expect. They probably wished they had Hummers back then. They certainly didn't have maps. This was uncharted territory. But the point is, they were willing to move forward without really knowing everything that they may encounter. Psalm 119, verse 105, really relates to that. When David, thousands of years ago, wrote that verse, they didn't have flashlights and certainly not searchlights in which they could shine for hundreds of yards in front of them. David would have carried a small oil lamp that would only have cast a glow several feet in front of him. So when David said, Lord, I want your word to be a lamp for my feet and a light for my path, what he was saying was this, Lord, if you will illuminate that next step, I'll take it. You take that step, and then you'll be able to see where God wants to place your next step. How many times are we afraid to even start a journey because we want to know every twist and turn? I want to know every obstacle. Lord, if I let you lead, I want to know everything, what I'm going to encounter. I want to know exactly where I'm going to end up and what it will cost me to get there. But nowhere in the Bible does God call us to a journey that's described that way, where he says, now here's this dip here and this valley here and this mountain you're going to have to climb. Oh, and be careful when you step here. Instead, the journey he calls us on is a journey that's illuminated just a few feet in front of you, and God will say, if you will take that step that I'm showing you, if you'll follow me, if you'll hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to your heart and take that step, I'll give you the next one. You know what this taking steps with God is all about? It's about a long series of small obediences. That's how we make the journey with God. But if you're like me, you want to know everything that's coming your way. So the idea of following God then can be a challenge. You won't have it all figured out. You won't be able to make perfect sense out of it. You see, Jesus never called anyone on the journey with him by saying, here's everything I want to show you, here's everything I'm going to do, and if you like that, get on board with me. No. 
oftentimes when Jesus called, he simply said, follow me. And if he would have said more, he might have said, let me take the lead. And I'll take you to places you've never dreamed of that supersede your imagination, that go beyond your wildest anticipation. And when you get there, you'll never be more satisfied. You'll never have more joy. Now, that's not to say that everything's going to be perfect. Because he might even add this. It'll cost you more than you think. I'm going to have to correct and change some things along the way. And some of us really start getting hung up on that word change because it unnerves us to be confronted with who we are and what God might want to do with us. But that's not unique to our situation. All throughout the pages of the Bible are story after story of God coming alongside of someone, calling them toward unbelievable dreams, opportunities of significance, and they'd follow. You know how? One step at a time. Those steps may seem small at times, but every step of obedience is significant in the eyes of God. And God would change not only their hearts, but the hearts of those around them. Sometimes an entire community, sometimes just a family, sometimes one individual at a time. Sometimes they'd follow the path that God showed them, and it would be a path toward correction, and they'd fall on their knees, and they'd say, oh God, how did I get so far off track? Please put me back on a path with you. And believe me, God will honor that prayer. And we're going to see some of those stories over the course of this series. One of the things I love about the Bible is that its heroes are not fairy tales. You get the real perspective of the real person, faults, failures, and all. David, a major player in the Bible. And this is a guy who commits adultery with another man's wife and has her husband killed to cover up his sins. And God uses him in spite of his faults and failures. Or we read about the Apostle Paul who would write this in Romans 7. The very thing I know better than to do, I keep doing. And the things I want to do, I can't seem to act on it. Who is going to deliver me from this body of death, he wonders. On another occasion, the Apostle Paul talks about a thorn in his flesh, uh, an affliction, a challenge that he struggles with. So we have David, we have Paul and their struggles. But the story is not about them. It's about Jesus Christ and what he will still do with them. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ and what he will do with us. Despite our own failings and faults. So take the Apostle Paul, for example. In the early part of his life, when we first meet Paul, he is killing Christians. He's as far away from Jesus as you can get. He is going after Christians to arrest them. He was giving the approval to stone Stephen, one of the first church leaders. That's in the book of Acts. 
A few pages later, Paul himself is about to be stoned to death because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And we would even read then a little bit later in Acts 17 where Courtney read and kept trying to read. where he was among those who were said to be turning the world upside down. Wow. How do you get there? What if that could be said of us? What if, what if it, Benton Heights is turning Monroe, Union County upside down? What's that all about? How do you get there? Well, it's what you and I will discover as we follow Jesus too. And so for the next few weeks, we want to start a path toward growing ourselves into passionate, fully devoted followers of Jesus. I don't know what all is in store for your life or what's in store for our church. But I do know this, that if we don't grow our roots deeper into His truth, in His Word, and if we don't let Him grow us up in Him, we're going to miss out on a whole lot of what God wants to use us for. But if the Bible becomes a lamp and a light when the time comes for us to stand against unbelievable odds or make a hard choice or turn the corner, we'll be ready. Now, I can't guarantee you everything that God wants for your life, but I can tell you, if you'll open your eyes and open your heart, God will meet you. He will meet you where you are. And if you'll keep your heart and eyes open to the Word of God, you won't be the same. And that's a good thing. My constant prayer is that when we come in and we meet with God, that we leave different because we've met with God. So how's that fire in your heart? Is it still burning? When was the last time you heard God speak to you? What did you do? May we take the next step and not let the fire fade. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.